so we're here to talk about decision dynamics. And you're probably all wondering, what the heck is decision dynamics? You know, there's fancy words that consultants throw around. What this comes down to is operational excellence. And that's something that Sean and I have been talking about ever since we've known each other is operational excellence. It comes down to, can you make a good decision in a reasonable amount of time? Right. So everything we do with this content is helping organizations. And this isn't about like the boss being able to make better decisions. This is about the whole team being able to make better decisions and driving those decisions as close to the action as we possibly can. Super. Well, this is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast. And I thought that was an awesome lead in. And what we're doing today, I have Sean Hutchinson. He's CEO, partner of SVA Value Accelerators. And Joe Slater, lead advisor, Decision Dynamics and SVA Leadership Accelerator. We're doing a continuation of an original podcast where we talk to Sean about SVA, and now we're doing a deep dive, and we're going to go into decision dynamics. So, Joe, let's dig into it. So, decision dynamics. So, we talked about, you know, in the intro, making good decisions quickly. So, how do you do that, right? Everybody comes into every situation with a way that they're thinking and a way that they solve problems. The, the challenge is, they're all different ways. So if we're coming at this from a, an owner's perspective, they're thinking strategically. They're trying to make the best decisions for the long game. A lot of the folks that may be out in the field are working directly with the customers. They've got real problems they've got to solve right now. Much of their thinking is more short game. How do we reconcile those two so that everybody understands a whole bunch of different kinds of decisions get made so that we can make them at the right spot? That's really what this comes down to. So as a business owner, I'm going, cool. Helps me make decisions quicker. Quicker must be then better. But what's the process? What do you guys do? You know, if you're coming into an organization, and what's your process to look at how they make decisions? And then what do you bring to the table in process to help that identify and improve? So we start right out of the gate by providing them with, um, we call it a liberating structure. There's everybody needs like some way to make sense of the world. If we give them just enough structure before we even start talking about their world, we develop a common language and kind of a different way that we can look at things together. What that allows us then to do is conduct a conversation with them afterwards that we're all sharing the same language. We have a common way of looking at what's working and what's not working and why those things matter and what we can do about it. So that second piece, after they understand this basic structure, they're able to tell stories basically using this new language. And out of those stories comes all kinds of rich information. The owners are usually amazed at what their staff are saying in these conversations because A, they've never spoken up about these things before and they find out that they know things. I didn't know they knew that. Well, if you did, maybe you would have given them some more autonomy in making certain kinds of decisions. We're not saying all decisions should be made at the front lines. We're saying is decide, make this an intentional thing, and we can help them do that. Once we do that storytelling, then it's all about the what now. We could do this in a, like a team building setting. Everybody feels good. We had a great conversation. We shared our, bared our souls to each other. So what? If we don't do something with that new capability and do it soon, they're going to lose what we just taught them. We're going to lose what we just gave them the ability to do. So we lean right into making that applied. We take all that storytelling and we ask the question, so what? All these stories, you guys talked about stuff that's working. You talked about stuff that's not working. So what? Let's make sense of that. What are the things that if we only picked one or two or three things, not 15, because on the drive down here, Sean, you're like, I'm so busy. I've got all these different things. Some days I don't feel like I'm really making progress because there's too much. So helping them figure out what matters together is the first step. Then they can make good decisions quickly 
and then they can act. They can actually act together with some semblance of grace and accountability. That's what we're trying to achieve through this in those three pieces. The what, giving them some content and structure. The so what, that storytelling. And the what now, putting that into application. That's how decision dynamics works. I had a couple of thoughts while Joe was talking. We've talked in previous podcasts about our bias for action. And this is a good example of the so what, what now approach. What really does it, as Joe pointed out, we can talk theory all day long, but who cares? It's important to have that fundamental understanding and common vocabulary, which is really important. People have to be able to talk to one another within an organization about these things, right? They can't just be stuck doing their job, if you want to put it that way. They want to be part of a larger conversation. And yet, in so many ways, those conversations can sort of be misaligned, talking across one another or just not connecting in one way or another. You also talked about intentionality, which I think is really important here. Everybody has to make decisions about how this is going to go, and they have to make them together, right? That's the important piece. It's not command and control. And we'll talk about this when we do the podcast on the Leadership Accelerator. It's important to know that in our Leadership Accelerator, I mean, in our Value Accelerator, Decision Dynamics is number one in our sprints, and Leadership Accelerator is number seven first and last. And there's a real good reason for that. But one thing that's important about decision dynamics is it puts into place a culture and a structure, a liberating structure, a way of problem solving, a way of sharing ideas, and an acceleration of that process that plays into all of the other competencies that we're going to put into play for value acceleration across a two-year period. So we start with this for a reason. Because everything that happens after it is going to depend on an organization being able to make decisions faster by figuring out what matters and acting with grace and accountability. Most organizations just don't do this well. I mean, think about that. If you could got, got better at getting better, but before you ever absorbed any content about transition readiness, like all that stuff is important. But if you could start with a way that would actually allow you to accelerate improvement. You're going to be able to make sense of all this new content you're getting faster. You'll be able to put it into work, into practice faster in better ways. Acceleration is a big piece of this. I don't want to shy away. We could have called it the value creator. I think a lot of value is being created. I think a lot of value often is exhausted as a result. It just can't be sustained for one reason or another. But I think organizations in general create a lot of value kind of naturally. But accelerating value is a different thing altogether. And so we want the environment within any business to be capable of, supportive of, accelerating everything that they do, not beyond their ability to sustain it by any means, accelerate it in a smart way, but it takes a structure, it takes a methodology to be able to do that. And that's what decision dynamics is about. We contend that the basis for operational excellence is being able to make better decisions faster. Everything else you want to talk about in operational excellence, you can talk about all day long. But if your people are making bad decisions slowly, it won't matter. Or if they're making bad decisions quickly. Yeah. And I think about this. So I'm the business owner. I have a sales organization. We're successful by some measure. And you go, we do all right. We, yeah. We've decided to represent this new product. We've got product in development. We have our client list. We go out there and we think we're pretty dadgum successful. So- if you guys walk through the door as that business owner, what would be the first step that I would see from you guys in the decision dynamics process? In terms of putting it into practice, there's going to be uh, an introduction of 
a minimal level of structure and discipline that we all agree is necessary. And by we, it's not us, the advisor, saying this is what should be. It's we've given you guys the tools to make this decision on your own. So you're going to start seeing a little bit more structure around how we do things. And at first, it might start to feel like, oh, my gosh, this is structured. This might slow us down. And I was raised in a racing culture. My dad, back when he was in high school, he built racing cars in our hometown. He's about to get inducted to the Hall of Fame, no less. And one of the things that always frustrated him, we'd go to the Indy 500 every year, and these rookie cars had come into the pits. And you could tell they're rookie because when they leave the pits, they spin their wheels. He's like, well, I, I don't know what they think they're in a drag racer and this is going to help them with better traction. It doesn't. Not in that kind of a car. You're not trying to get from quarter mile as fast as you can. You got 500 miles. A business is not a sprint. A business is more like a 500 mile race. If you start a major initiative, and I think what we're talking about with value acceleration is a non-trivial event. This is kind of a big deal, certainly in, in, from the owner's perspective. And if they're doing it right, especially if we get that leadership accelerator right, it becomes a big deal for the entire organization. There's this thing about change fatigue. People can get tired of the big project, this big event that we're having. Part of what Decision Dynamics does, because of the way we start, it inoculates them. It kind of gives them a vaccine against spinning their wheels and going too fast. Let's slow it down just a little bit. Let's be more intentional and deliberate about what matters so we can make some good decisions, some good foundational decisions quickly, and then everything that follows from a content perspective will go faster, right? We'll slow down to speed up. Yeah. One of the amazing things that I've seen as, as the structure is this way of talking to one another and getting better at getting better goes into play is that difficult conversations get handled in a completely different way in the organization. You know, most folks don't like to have those. They're uncomfortable, but there's also, I think, an aspect of them that it's we're willing maybe to engage in that conversation. We just don't have any way to do it that we would say is dependable, right? So can you speak to that? I mean, how decision dynamics is, in my view, not just about making better decisions faster, figuring out what matters. It's also about those tough moments that are almost like inflection points in the organization. Like if we get it right, we're good. If we get it wrong, we're bad for a long time, potentially. So it's those cringeworthy moments in the conversation. And it's just everybody, oh, did they really just say that? Yes. And it needed to be said. The way we do that is by creating a psychologically safe environment right out of the gate. Like when we get people in a room the first time with decision dynamics, we're trying to create a space where it's okay to be wrong. In fact, the more we can be wrong faster in survivable ways, that's what good change and improvement is, right? You need to be able to fail faster, not fail faster on those things that are going to bring the business down, but be able to make those choices so that you can, again, be intentional and deliberate. We're going to make as many decisions as quickly as we can. We're going to learn from those that we get wrong, and we're going to do that quickly. So by creating that psychologically safe environment, and we do it by example. So in many cases, you can see when the discussion starts that there's something that somebody's dying to say bring a little levity in the environment. Humor can really help, right? We introduce this idea of fool's license and people will start using this against each other very quickly. It's amazing what comes out. And as soon as the first person brings up that cringeworthy moment and everybody goes, oh, did they really just say that? And it turns out to be okay, the floodgates open. Now everybody knows this is okay. We can do this. We can right. share. Right. Because we have a common way of doing it. We trust, we trust each other. It's interesting when I have, I've worked with 
hundreds of owners and businesses over the years. This is something that I've really seen commonly in businesses where the sign to an owner, if they stop and think about it, that decisions aren't being made in a way that helps people get better at getting better, that improves the operations of the business, is that tough decisions keep ending up on their desk or just the stuff that shouldn't get to their desk, so to speak, is getting to their desk. This goes to that fifty to $5,000 an hour conversion that we were talking about in one of the other podcasts, which is owners need to be doing $5,000 an hour work. That's where shareholder equity is created. And your top people need to be doing that too. But there are people in the organization that are doing $50 an hour work, and rightly so. That's what they're hired to do. So if $50 an hour work is winding its way through the organization, ending up in the $5,000 an hour category, decisions aren't being made better and faster. They're just not being made at all. They keep kicking the can. Now, if you take that to an organization that's not in one place, let's take it to multi-location organizations, or let's take it to a construction company. So we work with a lot of construction-related companies. You got people in the office. Most of your people are in the field. If decisions aren't made well and quickly in the field, everything breaks down. The schedule just blows up because somebody can't decide how to solve a problem. Because in the first place, they couldn't decide what actually matters. What problems need to be solved first, right? And that's a delegation issue from the owner. You're absolutely right. Sometimes the owner doesn't allow or create an environment where those decisions can be made. I mean, it is important for owners to realize in a value acceleration environment, the best thing that they can do in many cases for their business is get out of the way. I think about the person that built the business. I mean, charismatic, no nonsense, typical entrepreneur. And I built a business. I know everything about it. I want control. And on and on and on. And I, I would think the business value is degraded because they're so key. Mm-hmm. That's true. And so you guys come in and go, okay, Mr. Business Owner, this is where you are valuation-wise. If you can learn how to be on the business instead of in the business and delegate it, this is the beginning process of trying to make that happen. Yep. When you do that and the business owner goes, you mean I need to give up control? How do you guys deal with that? It's a fair question. I mean, if you think about the end game of this, right? It's about owner independence. It's about the owner being able to make choices that are something other than I'm tied irrevocably to this business. I can't do anything else because the business is me and I am the business. If what they're trying to do is maintain that status quo, they should be wanting that independence. So it's a matter of helping them think through, what do you really want? What does success and happiness look like at the end of this journey? And then giving them the tools that they have the ability to do it. It's still going to be their choice. And when we get to the leadership accelerator, this idea of a leader-leader model where, and you mentioned delegation, it's not so much delegating a task, it's granting authority within certain parameters, reasonable parameters that we've talked about, by the way, this idea of liberating structures. There is a structure here within which, don't ask me for permissions, just go do it, right? And if you're wrong, that's going to be okay. Because I just said, we just agreed that these are the parameters that you can work in, right? I mean, even in the military sense, it's not just do what I'm told all the time, right? There's got to be. It's not even most of the time. I want you to go do this. You tell me how you're going to get it done. And if you have the objective, you figure out your route. There you Mm -hmm. go. And get it done. And I think about what I'm sitting here is I'm I'm the business owner and go, man, I want control, but I also want to take and create a business that's transferable. And if I'm the control guy and I get run over by a bus, then everybody else is in there going like, he, good old Bob always made all the decisions. 
and had the major relationships and held all the knowledge in their head, hadn't transferred. I mean, transferable value comes from transferable knowledge, transferable processes, transferable collaboration, the environment. The business is, it's an ecosystem in a way. It's an ecosystem that makes money, hopefully, right? Generates commercial activity, makes money. It allows people to have a better life. It shares abundance in one way or another, but it needs to be independent of the owner. Otherwise, it's really not an ecosystem. It's just the owner with a whole lot of people around him or her that, you know, and I think about the pushback and, you know, why this does not work. If the owner doesn't buy into the fact that I really need to take and be able to create more value in my business, be able to transfer it where I'm not critical to the business. Mm -hmm. If they want to be critical, then I don't really care about the transfer value. They really don't want to delegate. They really want their hands wrapped around it. This is not for them. That may be the case, or they may come in, I think, through some of this is challenges self-awareness, I think, for a lot of different people. So it's not just the owner that's being challenged through this process of value acceleration, decision dynamics, leadership accelerator, any of the sprints that we do. I think it encourages people, and in some cases, it forces people to just sort of step back for a moment and say, what part do I play in this, right? What is the most appropriate part for me to play? Am I behind the scenes? Am I stage right? Am I stage left? Am I stage center right up front? And those things are actually dynamic, right? So nobody's fixed in a position in an organization in one that can really do make decisions well. These roles are constantly moving around so that the organism, right, of the business can adapt quickly. This is all about, in some ways, being more agile and not being always stuck in the same place in the market. You have to be quicker. You have to be quicker than your competition. You have to be better decision makers than your competition. You can win that battle if you can do that, not just for value, but also in the marketplace. It makes you more competitive. You've got to disrupt your own thinking. I mean, we're taught that if you look at an org chart, where do you find the leader? Where's the leader? Yeah, yeah top of the org chart. the top, right? Everybody knows and that. there's only one. And there's only one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe there's like a little cluster up there. Right, right? There's right. those folks up there, right? right? That the guys on the ivory tower. Well, the whole idea, if you get this right, is that you can almost turn that upside down. You want everybody being a leader of the things that they're accountable for. The question right. is, what is their role and what are the accountabilities that, that are associated with that role? And that's some of the language that we get them using so that we can separate role from title. We can separate role from position, hierarchy. Those things matter because you got to report to someone, right? Who are you answerable to? Right. But that doesn't mean that that's how leadership happens. How long does it take... I know the answer to this. This is a leading question. But when we start to do decision dynamics in an organization to, I don't know if the world is install or create an environment where it can actually happen, how long does it take to see a difference? Usually within one conversation. Yeah. Just this morning, I was on a call with a client. And this was our second call. Second call ever. We've only had two calls. Each one was an hour long. At the end of the second call, he said, you know, I haven't even really heard what you guys are going to propose as this next step. But these two hours that we've spent, have really helped me figure out in my own head what matters. I can now structure a conversation with my staff, with my leadership team, so much better than I could before, right? He hadn't had the content yet. What we're doing is we're modeling what we do in every conversation we have. And that was, we weren't training him anything. We were just having a conversation about his business and asking him questions. But there's a method to this. And the method is contagious and it's really sticky and it's easy. It's easy because it's something that everybody wants to do. We're kind of just giving them permission to do it and watching them as they grant permission to everybody else in the room. Yeah. You know, when you, when you grant permission, you've got the hierarchy, you've got the guy at the top and everybody else. What do you see on everybody below the top once this is in place? 
different things. Um, and it's interesting to see how different people react. You're going to have some people that kind of get a quizzical look on their face. They might even lean back in their chair, maybe even cross their arms. I'm not so sure this is something that I really like. If you start digging into what's going on in their head, they're already afraid because they can see that accountability is coming. With those choices and with that authority comes accountability. You will be held to account. Did you get the result that was intended? And if you've been a chiseler or there's all kinds of terms for these folks that they're in the organization, everybody knows they've been there forever. We're not really sure what they do. Those folks might start to get a little bit nervous. You're going to have others that lean forward and their eyebrows go up and the energy goes up and they, you can just see from their body language, I might actually be able to make a difference here. Like this is something that if I understand where we're going, I'm going to have some ability to make choices to help us get there. And you want that dynamic. That's something that we absolutely encourage. The folks that are not going to help you get to where you want to go, this will help them self-select out. You keep the people you want and you get rid of the people that you don't. And in today's workforce limited environment where labor is just so precious, people are having trouble growing because the unemployment rate is so low, having the right people in your organization acting with accountability, acting in ways, acting towards one another with that same level of accountability and encouragement. I think you attract people that you haven't been able to get before. We all know that the resource that's the most valuable in any competitive environment is the people that are part of your company. You have good people, you're going to do better. But I love the term liberating structure, right? Not just liberation. Let's all run around, you know, with their hair on. Nor is it structure for structure and product. It's not about like controlling things. It's no. finding that liberating structure. Striking it's that very balance. Interesting. So one thing that I learned from Joe, so there are a set of principles around decision dynamics, which are really important for folks to know. These are principles that you kind of have to internalize in order to do this well. We won't talk about all of them, but the first one that has always stuck with me, because when I met Joe, he was telling me about this and he said, you know, the truth is enough. And I thought, I've never heard said quite that way before. The truth is enough. Can you speak to that? Yeah. So we usually get some funny reactions when we bring that up. Then we get all existential. And what do you mean by truth? Yeah, it sounds a little new agey, doesn't yeah, so it? Let, yeah. Let me make yeah. this really simple. What yeah. this means Cut is- Cut that down. Imagine, if you will, we had a pile of the truth over here. And then we had a pile of other stuff here that's not the truth. Everything we need to make every decision in this organization to make really good ones is in that first pile. We don't need to go to that second pile at all, which means- if you find yourself, and a lot of this is self-leadership when it comes yeah. down to it, we're helping people adopt new behaviors all by themselves. It's not about what everybody else should do. It's about what they're going to do. And if they can start coming to situations and avoiding the, the exaggeration, the hyperbole, my stuff is really good. It's all green. Status is green. It's great. And the owner's going, yeah, well, what about that? Not last quarter we had that issue, but well, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's really, 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 really great. That stuff actually slows down good decisions. It, mm -hmm. it causes the windshield to get a little foggy. We can't really see with clarity. And the same is true with negative, right? If you've got somebody on your team or the boss is always saying, things are never good enough. And it's always, everything is always bad. Everything's not always bad. And if that's what they hear, then that's going to cause a whole different dynamic, right? What we want to get to is that people are comfortable sharing the truth as they see it. Forget the universe. That's an environmental issue. Yeah, it absolutely is. And be willing. You have to have them in that psychologically safe environment where they're allowed to be wrong. That yeah. has to be okay. Right. 
Because if, they can benefit from the wrongness. They learn from it. It's they okay. learn more from the wrongness than they do from the right decisions. You want and you want exposure of those. So you talked about the construction companies. You got your field staff. They're not all in the same location. They're all in different sites. So how many mistakes are happening on those sites that never get shared with the others? Right. Which means how are they going to learn? Well, they're going to have to make the same mistake. Well, my son, he was, I don't know, seven or eight years old and he comes back. He must have been first first grade. And they were talking about learning lessons, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I asked him, I said, so what's, what's the one thing that's better from learning from your own mistakes? Uh, learning from somebody else's. I mean, this was a, at seven years old. This is not a hard thing to understand. And yet we have organizations that do exactly the opposite. We try to not make the mistakes come to light. And if we do, it's a shameful sort of a thing. We've got right. to turn that environment around. The small ones, right? The survivable ones. It comes back to that liberating structure. We're not going to give the decision-making to fire our most important client to the new sales guy. There has to be some boundaries to this. But within those boundaries, people thrive if they know what the space is where they can make decisions on their own, if they care about what you're doing. And if they don't, they probably shouldn't be there. Wait a client, three years working with them recently in engagement that ended really tough situation. Family business, dynamics were terrible. They didn't know how to talk to one another. They were terrible conflict managers. When anything difficult came up, essentially everybody left the room with anger. I mean, there wasn't anything good about it happening. They'd go to their separate corners and they'd stay there. And so the organization really, and the family was being torn apart. So in order to help them begin to have these difficult conversations and recover from some of the things that had been said in the past, much of what was really mean, it wasn't the truth is enough. It was, I'm just going to put a whole bunch of stuff that... Some of it may be truthful, but there's a whole lot of stuff that isn't pure in that pile. So we gave them a list of principles, some of the principles of our decision dynamics. We wrote them down on a big sticky sheet and put it on the wall. The truth is enough. Simple, good. Fool's license. Five things we wrote up there. On three years, that has never come off the wall. Every time I walk in and they will say things like to one another like, you know what? Truth is enough, dude. Right. So it helps them have a decision. And the organization has gotten better at being better. They share more knowledge now than they did. They share their mistakes better than they did in the past. And that knowledge is not getting bottlenecked in the organization. You're not making the same mistake 30 times. You're not making a bad decision 30 times and then still not learning from it. That's enormously expensive. The idea of accelerating value, that's just slowing it down and wiping it out. It's going exactly the other direction. So again, this is sprint like numero uno in the value accelerator. I believe that none of the other stuff that we do could be done without it because it's so fundamental. So it's the way that discussions are held, allows the freedom to decide. And decisions are made and accountability circulates in the organization. It's a way of being and thinking. Yeah, I would think as an owner, you have to tell everybody, says, it's okay to make a mistake before you didn't make the same one twice. In fact, you might. instead of just telling you that, here's the mistake I made last week, right? When the owner is ready and willing to share those stories, we know we've done something, we've made an impact, right? Because, wow, they're allowed to make mistakes too. Everybody makes mistakes. The point is, are you learning? What's the transformation you see in the owner after they buy into this and you have this discussion? From a decision dynamics perspective, I think they see possibilities that they didn't see before. The power that they have... When you talked about releasing control, you might release control, but you get more power and you get more capability to lead as opposed to manage, right? Yeah, the $5 hammer no longer matters. I think what I see in owners is part of the impulse to control 
besides being an entrepreneur and having made it on your own, right? If your business has grown, if it has become more complex, you begin to feel, I think as an owner, because you bear all the risk more and more alone. You're there, you're with people, but you're alone. And a lot of owners will say it's it's lonely at the top, right? We've all heard that. So I think what this does is it, and I think controlling everything, being controlling is a way of reasserting themselves into the group and not feeling so alone in some ways. So if you can create an environment where people are accountable, where they're making good decisions, they're making it faster, the right stuff is getting to your desk, right? You are in for the business is independent of you. You have a life. And that's a scalable right? business. That that's is. right. It is a business that can create value on a daily basis. So at that point, I think you don't feel so much alone because there's other people in the organization that are sharing your responsibility, that are sharing your burden. They feel you accountable for the things that you wake up worried about. They're feeling accountable for the stuff that you're worried about. They're, that's totally transformational. It really is totally transformational. Well, with that being said, how people, how do people reach you on social media? LinkedIn is a really good way to do that. So we have a company page for SVA Value Accelerators on LinkedIn. You'll find me at linkedin.com. My LinkedIn name is Sean Pease and Patrick Hutchinson. You can connect with us that way. If you connect with Joe, I don't know your LinkedIn page. I think it's just LinkedIn Joe Slater. Okay. Yeah. And that's S-L-A-T-T, right? T-T-E-R. That's right. Two T. All right. And you have some other things that are coming up soon. Yeah. So they can either call you and have a chat. That's right. And so I would say the biggest mistake you could make is not calling. At <laughs> the cost of doing nothing. Yes, the cost of doing nothing. <laughs> and so calling is, as far as I know, still relatively inexpensive to make a call. That, yep, should be. And you guys are also coming out with a tool, I think. We are. We're actually coming up with an exciting program. So first quarter of 2019, we launched what we call the Ready for Next Academy. That has a couple of different components for owners that are kind of exploring these issues that want more clarity, insights, information before they start to go into more of an action mode around value acceleration. The Ready for Next Academy includes online education. So there is a complete set of courses that they can have a la carte or will organize them into a curriculum. They, in some cases, track our sprints, support some of the things that we do in the sprints. So it's good exposure. And we're also starting as a result of that and complementary to that peer-driven, what we call mastermind groups of owners. So these are groups of, say, eight to 12 owners in a particular area, non-competitive, not from the same industry, businesses of different sizes and different industries. And they work together for a year as a peer group, expert-facilitated, peer-driven, peer-supported, to move through kind of a top level of the value accelerator. What that allows them to do is share the cost, which is nice, and also benefit from the stories of other owners. As an owner myself, I love sitting in owner groups. I want to learn. I want to know more about what's going on in your business, Bob, and what's going on in your business, Joe, and help me solve problems in ways that I hadn't heard about. And I'm going to give as much as I get, right? It's a collaborative environment. So we're launching those programs in the first quarter of 2019. Okay. And the URL for that course? It'll be readyfornextacademy.com. And you can find more information there. Again, probably have that website up and populated about the 1st of February, I would say. Of 2019. 2019, coming right up. So for the folks that are listening to it sometime later in 2019, it should already be there. Go there. Yes. Perfect. Well, guys, I appreciate it. And we will move on to the next drill down. Thank you. Great.